Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Let's just jump off there. That'd be a good scripture, wouldn't it? I think we've been doing that for a while. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, don't be conformed, pressed into the mold of this world, but be transformed by the renovation or the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That word prove means so that you will determine by experience the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We don't want people to walk in victory in theory only. Hearing a message and going, wow, that's my answer, but never seeing it in this realm. God wants you to experience this. He wants you to walk out this incredible plan that he has for your life that he put together before you ever showed up. That's why you don't have to beg God to give you things. You're a Christian. You already have been given everything. And everything is on the inside of you. So God wants you to learn how to think right, right? He wants you to learn how to speak right. He wants you to learn how to see things clearly as they really are, not as they seem, right? I mean, don't you, I can't even watch the news because I'm sitting there and, and just, well, I can't really say that. I haven't watched the news in so long, I can't even tell you. But even some of the junk that you hear, you're like, I just, when you feed on this all the time, you got to have truth. And if there's a chance that it's not truth, I don't want anything to do with it. Because I want things in my life that are not subject to change. Do you know the fact that you, being born of God, are a world overcomer? Do you know that's not subject to change? You being taken out of the delegated influence of darkness. Think about that darkness you were taken out of the place where he could influence you yeah but pastor i'm being influenced well stop it because that's not even where you are and that's not even where you're supposed to be and if he's influencing you he's operating illegally and he knows it right and you were put into the kingdom of god's dear son and now the bible is really clear you are a spirit you possess a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and God gave you a soul because that's how you make decisions. That's where all of your decision-making process happens. So although your spirit always wants to go the right way, your flesh, we, we don't have the fullness of our salvation yet. So your flesh has this nature in it. It still always wants to go the wrong way. And then there's the soul. When you got born again, you were made brand new on the inside. Your spirit was brand new. No, I mean, sin, you're, you're, the Bible says your spirit can't even sin. Yeah, but pastor, I just sinned this afternoon. Well, this is what happened. Your flesh sided with your unrenewed mind and you made a wrong decision 
and your spirit was taken captive and you did something, you did a behavior that you, your spirit didn't want to do. And you don't ever have to do that. So that's why we have to renovate our thinking. Because we have to get to a place where now, re remember we talked about this, I guard my thought life. I think on certain things. And so now I'm meditating in the word day and night. What am I doing? I'm planting the word of God in the soil of my spirit man. And then I keep meditating in the word. And now I'm watering the soil. I'm cultivating the soil. And it will grow everything that God has for you. Right? But what happens now, what happens, I, light comes out of the word. And now I know really where I'm at. Sometimes people think, man, I'm just getting so beat up from Satan. Start meditating on the word, and all of a sudden you'll see, whoa, wait, time out. He's way under my feet. These are lies he's telling me. I've been made free. But we got to renew our minds, because that's where our decisions are made. All of them. Your mind, based on where your mind is at, whether you've renewed it or whether you haven't, and again, it's a lifelong process, but your mind will perceive things through your five physical senses, and then your emotions will tell you how you feel about that, right? And based on whoever is in control, if it's an unrenewed mind and it, your emotions are twisted, your emotions could be, man, I'm afraid, I'm this, I'm that. You know, I know the word says this, but... I don't see any possibility of that happening. And then your will, and this is what we're going to talk about tonight, your will will then act it out. What happens is when your mind reasons about something, your emotions tell you how you feel. And what happens is when that happens, a desire comes up. If you're in the word, it'll be the desire, a desire from God, which will lead you to life. If you haven't been in the word, if it's not first place, you're living your own life, you're living like a blind person, and all of a sudden a desire in your flesh will come up and you'll move in that direction. You'll start to see that direction. The hardest thing when a person deals with sickness and disease is they need to see themselves well. And so many people in our circles are really trying in their own strength to see themselves well, but you can't do it in your own strength. It's the word of God that will build that imagination in you. The word is full of life. And boy, I'll tell you, all of a sudden you see things as they really are. This terminal illness is not terminal in my life. This, this financial situation that seems impossible is not impossible in my life. This relationship situation is not impossible as a matter of fact now i realize all things are possible to me because i believe isn't that amazing could that be true yes it is so let's deal with the will of man i want to really center in and say some things about your will first of all about the will of man god does not impose his will on anyone. God holds his hand out and he will woo a person, but he will never make them. 
He will never push them. He will never drive them. The Lord leads you. The enemy is the one who drives you. So if you're ever, man, you got to buy this right now. You're watching TV. The little timer's clicking. You have three minutes left to get this deal. I'm out. No, no, no. No, pastor, listen. If you buy this car today, no. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do everything in my life because I'm led. Right? It's, it's, it's not, no pressure. I got to be led. I can't be driven. So God does not impose his will on anyone. God does not allow Satan to impose his will of death or cursing on anyone. That's kind of a big statement. Well, how, what does God do? Deuteronomy 30, 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, God says, choose life. In other words, the choice is man's. It's not Satan's. Oh, will, will Satan try to impose his will? See, like even when I said that, I, I, I could feel some people going, what, what well, hold on a second. Satan doesn't impose? Gosh, Satan's always, yeah, oh, he's always trying to impose his will. But God is saying, the way I've set this up, man has a free will. Man chooses. You know, I'm 60 years old, and when I look back at my life, I'm sitting here going, man, every problem in my life was because of wrong decisions that I made. And so many times we want to blame God. I've never understood that. That's one thing that I've always been real strong in. I'm not blaming him. I know he's not. I know he's good. I must be the problem, right? But you know, there are times when things happen that you didn't see and, and other people could hurt you. But I'm here to tell you, if you will hang on and follow God's leading, he will turn every one of those things into Zoe life. Because it's not his will. And he will not let Satan kick your door down and make you do something, right? You could always tell satanic leadership. You could tell it in this natural realm. It's, it's anytime somebody is saying, I want you to do this, but I'm not doing it. All, all you got to think of, don't get mad at that person. If that's Satan, that's the enemy. Because this is God. God's like, I really want you to have the kind of life I have. And so I'm, I'm inviting you. But the choice is yours. So we got to understand this. God doesn't allow Satan to impose his will of death or cursing on anyone. They have to make that decision. Now here's the sad thing. If people, if people don't know the Lord, they're not born again. Man, it's really hard for them to make right decisions. Because they're spiritually dead. But how many of you know as a Christian... I could be spiritually alive, but if I don't renew my mind and learn how to make right decisions, I could, he could steal, kill, and destroy in my life even though he has no legal right to do that. Your choices 
are a result of your mind, will, and emotions working together. Your will is the part of you that says, I want, I want now. I've got to have it, right? Go to Cold Stone. i got to have it. That's your will, right? This whole thing about the devil made me do it? No. The devil can't make you do anything, right? Your will is the part that's always saying, I want this, I want it right now. That's why you have to renew your mind. So that now your spirit is in control of your flesh and your soulish realm as, as your spirit is submitted to the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the spirit-led life. What you want is seen in the choices that you make. If you want to know what your will is doing, just look. Just take a moment and look at the choices that you make every day. Right? I mean, right now, as I'm looking at faces, I could see people going, yeah, did pretty good there. Yeah, yeah but then I kind of, yeah. right? Well, see, this is a process. And the Holy Spirit is here to help you. He never gets down on you. You can grieve him. And he'll be grieved, but he won't get down on you. He'll keep wooing you. He gets grieved when he can't do much. When you need help and you don't let him help because you're trying to figure this out on your own, right? So, let's talk about, what are we talking about? The will, the soulish realm. So what we're really talking about, here we go, spiritual warfare. Because this is the warfare. Everything that has to do with spiritual warfare is over your desires and your wants. Now, when, if you've sat and listened to some series on spiritual warfare, you have probably never heard that statement. And that's why so much of that stuff, people never get free. They never walk in their freedom. Everything that has to do with spiritual warfare is over your desires and your wants. Which way are you going to go? That's where the war is. The enemy uses, boy, I'll tell you, this is so important. The enemy uses unfulfilled desires to generate pressure in your life to get, those, to get the desire fulfilled. The enemy, how he works, is all of a sudden, he uses an unfulfilled desire. I really need this, but I don't have it. Have you ever had an unfulfilled desire financially? It will talk to you all the time. Right? And what will it do? It'll put pressure on you. And the pressure in your life is, I've got to get this fulfilled. And you've got to be careful with that because if you start to make a decision because of pressure, you, it will lead you. We said this before. It will lead you 
into death and cursing. God doesn't lead you by putting pressure on you, right? That's the enemy every time. So there's this unfulfilled desire. It puts pressure on me because it put, the pressure is I need to get this fulfilled. I've got this desire. Man, I am not well physically. My blood work is not good. And this thing is getting worse. Or I have this diagnosis. And this thing is getting worse and worse. It's an unfulfilled desire. But I need it fulfilled. Right? So I, I will start looking. What's Satan trying to do? He's trying to put pressure on you to get your eyes off of looking to your healer and get your eyes looking on, I got to make this happen because that, that's, that's what we're talking about. That is the warfare. That is, so let's keep going with this. Spiritual warfare is all about resisting the pressure. Young lady starts dating this guy. And this guy's like, man, I just love you. I want to marry you. Right? But wants to get physical before marriage. And all of a sudden, this young lady is going, well, I don't want to do this. I, but, but there's, you know, there's this, this desire I have to be married and man, if I don't give him what he wants, I might lose this pressure to make a wrong decision. Right? Everything you would call a temptation, a test, or a trial, everything is a product of an unfulfilled desire and the battle about how that desire is going to be fulfilled. Every one of them. Our longing to be free. See, you've been made free. So your spirit longs to walk in that. The longing to be free of a certain kind of pressure that Satan uses to either cause you to make a wrong decision or make a premature decision. Right now, this Sunday is going to be May 1st. Man, the heat gets turned up on Rama students. Right? Every time, Rama students don't, second and third year students and some, some you know, career Rama students, fourth and fifth year student, whatever, right? It's like, come on, dude, go do something. Right? But, but the pressure, they don't even say Hi. It's usually, hi, what are you going to do when you graduate? So there's, there's, there's this desire to do something for God, and it's unfulfilled, and, and, but pressure's starting to be put on me because I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. So I start trying to figure out. I start, my mind starts reasoning, looking at things. Well, you know, should I go back to my old church? Or, you know, I know this person. Maybe I could do this. Right? And, and what happens, there could be a call on their life. There's something that God wants them to do. But maybe it's five years from now. 
I know the Lord put, put it on my heart to go do something one time. And I'm like, yep, I'm out. I mean, I was in a church I really didn't like, but he had me there. You know, it's a, I, I went through this massive church split in this church where I found the call of God. And then this pastor called me up and said, hey, I understand. I've heard about you. You have like a hundred and some college and youth that you're trying to plant in churches. You're meeting in a house. He goes, just come on over. We'd love to have you. And so I met with them and, you know, just wonderful guys. And they're like, you know, you could start, you could start a college ministry here. You know, uh, my son, he's the youth pastor and, and we've got a pretty strong youth group and all this stuff, we could get some of these planted. Well, I have this unfulfilled desire. Because when I, I mean, here I am, I find the call of God in this church. It was glorious every week. And all of a sudden, it ended by people on a Sunday morning standing up, yelling at each other, yelling at the pastor. That was the kind of church split this was. I'm like, what? And the pastor, one of the greatest men I had ever known, but he was non-confrontational. Man, you don't even want to know what it looks like if somebody stood up in our sanctuary and started yelling at me or yelling at each other. It's over. It's over. It's like, hey, you got to just, this is, this is life and death here. Okay, are you going to leave or are you going to get your act together? I'll love you both ways, but we're not doing that here, right? Well, anyway, so I sit down with them and I'm like, man, they're great people. They love God with all their heart. And they're like, now, you know, so I'm like, okay, well, where are you guys at, you know, baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because I, I grew up Baptist, believing it was of the devil. And now here I am. I'm like, wow, this Holy Spirit thing is the greatest thing in the world. Where are you guys at? Oh, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, not everybody gets tongues. And I'm like, what? I, I go, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, not everybody speaks in tongues. And so I'm like, okay, so... I really believe that it's the initial evidence. And they're looking at me, they're like, oh, that's okay. I'm like, well, I go, I would never want to do anything, preach something or teach something that does not agree. They're like, no, 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 we're fine. We're fine with that. And they really were real strong on, you know, we believe God can heal, but it's according to his will. And I'm like, well, that's another big one because I believe it's all in the atonement. Well, that's okay. I'm like, are you sure? And so I went and I prayed about it, and the Lord goes, I want you to go there. Man, I learned more about submission to authority. I learned more about, about pastors that loved people unconditionally, though. You know, I mean, I would learn to submit the things, and I'm like, oh. But other things I learned, I saw them love people when they were there, when they leave, just, just love. Then the Lord, you know, I found this Bible study, this church started uh, in this elementary school. And this guy in my college and career group goes, hey, man, this guy teaches stuff that you're teaching. And he's like, they, their Wednesday night service is on Thursday because they can't meet Wednesday night because of the school. So I went on Thursday, I walk into this elementary school. And it was like I walked into the very holy of holies. I'm like, oh my gosh. I have been living in a dry and dusty area. And now here it is. You know, I, this is God. And I felt so strongly. And I know it was the Lord saying, this is where I want you. 
And I literally went the next week and I sat down with all those pastors and I said, listen, I love you guys. You know, we're great friends. I think I'm supposed to go to this elementary school where they've started this little church where the pastor, he would preach and then you'd hear a click in the middle of the sermon and he would turn around and he'd, he'd hit the button and take the cassette out and flip it over and hit it and hit record again and then he'd start teaching again. For those younger people, the cassette, they were before. <laughs> it's just, you know, ask the Lord about that. He'll tell you, right? But so, and I'm like, I, guys, I'm just supposed to go there. But so how do I do this? I don't want to hurt the church at all and all this stuff. And they're like, Tony, it's okay. We want you to follow God and everything. So I left that church. I walked in the first Sunday. I felt like, is this the same church? I felt like, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? Everything. I mean, I was avoiding the pastor, which is really hard to do when there's 30 or 40 people, right? But, but he's not a real talker, so it was, but his wife, it's really hard to get away from her because she was a talker, right, or is a talker. So, so I'm like, and I go back again, and I'm like, man, this isn't right. I'm not supposed to be here. What I didn't realize, Jeanette came from Iowa, God was trying to get me a wife, but I missed it. So I, finally, I just went, oh, you know what? I'm a, I got over myself anyway. So I went back. I went back to the pastors. I'm like, hey, guys, I made a mistake. Can I come back? I don't have to do any ministry. They're like, yeah, sure, you come back. Within a couple weeks, I meet Jeanette. You know, three minutes later, we're engaged. <laughs> the minute we got engaged, well, okay, I... Drugged her, and then she, we're, no, I'm just teasing, I'm teasing. So then we're engaged, and, uh, and the minute we got engaged, all I kept thinking is, I got to go to that church. I got to go to that church. So I had to, I go back to these pastors, and I'm like, guys, I, I'm supposed to go to that church. They're like, they're like, they're like, Tony, listen, this is the way it works sometimes. It's Okay. We want you to follow God's plan. I think that's amazing. I think that's amazing. So, see, do you, the reason why I wasn't planning, I got so many notes, I wasn't planning on going into all that, but premature decisions are wrong decisions. It's not only what God wants you to do, it's are you got, do you have the timing right? Because God wants you to succeed. The path of the righteous is one of increase. You have to do it his way to increase. For me to really go forward in ministry, I had to step out of ministry. That's the craziest thing. But for me, that was, the, that was the thing. So this is why we teach on this. You have to renovate your thinking. Because if you don't, you'll think the job or the career or the business that you're supposed to do is based on the income potential. But it's not. It's based on the call of God on your life and the kingdom of God. It's all based on that. And you can go to a place and make less money. Don't worry, you won't make less for long because what God's doing is he's putting you here to launch you way beyond where you ever could go. And it makes no sense, it's, but it does make faith. Right? So this is why we have to do this. 
Don't think about just wrong decisions. A premature decision is a wrong decision. Right? So here's an example. Our longing to be free, as we said earlier, produces a certain kind of pressure that Satan uses to either cause you to make a wrong decision or at least a premature decision. So let's, for Pastor Torian and Elisa, our marriage and family pastors, let's give you an example as it would pertain to marriage. Okay? We see others have the kind of marriage that we want. We come to church and we see, wow, we see, you know, how this man loves this woman and how this woman loves this man. They see this and, and I'm longing to have that. We see the kind of relationship the word of God tells me that we're to have. But we get, we get discouraged because all we have in our life is arguing, pain, lack of communication, but then I come to church and I see this family and I'm like, oh, I just want that. But then I go home and I have something different. So all of a sudden I have this unfulfilled desire. And pressure will come with the unfulfilled desire for me to make wrong decisions. This is huge. The unfulfilled desire will produce pressure that will tempt you to relieve the pressure by making a wrong decision or a premature one. Right? The guy, he sees this man just be, you know, he loves his wife, but he's a strong leader. So he goes home and he really wants a good marriage. So he says, honey, I, we got to sit down. We got to change some things. And then he starts going, and, and you need to change this, and you need to change this, and you need to change this. And all of a sudden, all the men are going, yeah, whoa, right? So this is how it works. Think of it that way. If you have anything in your life tonight that's an unfulfilled desire, right? If it's unfulfilled. It... It's probably even, you know, I'm looking at a bunch of people that love God with all their heart. It's probably something that God wants you to have, but he wants you to have it his way so it's real, so it doesn't end in death. He wants you to have the real, the Zoe life real. But that pressure of that unfulfilled desire is going to try to get you thinking and looking, Right? can't tell you how many how many females and how many males in a college and career ministry in Southern California, how many times they come and they're like, this is what a single person who wants to be married is doing. <laughs> right? Subconsciously. If they're doing it consciously, if it's a guy, the women are getting creeped out. But you know, <laughs> if, if it's a girl, the guy's going, whoa, desperation, right? But, but then you look and you're like, nobody. And then you hear, oh, there's this college and career group that has 600 or 800 single Christians. Can't tell you how many times. Well, in the natural, we've got 20 or we have 400. I'm looking for a wife, right? 
I got so tired of dating that I went to a Christian dating thing. I walked in, it creeped me out so bad, I couldn't stay. These two girls kept looking at me, and I just felt this, ugh. And the lady at the desk goes, can I help you? I go, no, have a nice day, I'm out. So then I went, and in Newport Beach, I spent $5,000 for this exclusive dating service. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. It's, it's stupidity beyond. After, now I'm leading a college and career ministry. And I'm telling everybody, listen, what the Lord told me is if you want to be married, you keep your eyes on him and he will bring that person across your path. So I'm preaching that. But then I, I, I reasoned in my mind. I'm like, okay, this dating service is exclusive. I, I'm tired of meeting somebody and going out and three seconds after I go out with them, I know they're not the one. They might be great, wonderful, but they're just not the one. And then they keep calling me. And I don't want to hurt anybody, so I know what I'll do. My profile, if you didn't want to be in full-time ministry as a pastor, you would have just ran. And, I, and you know, one lady reached out, and, and you know, it was, all, it was all confidential, so you didn't have to deal with anything. And so we had a date. Man, this lady was awesome. Beautiful lady, loved God with all of her heart. She had two beautiful children. And it was the first woman that I had went out with that I'm like, wow. At the end of the night, you know, just, just went home and I'm like, wow. This is like potential. And I'm thinking, boy, I really made the right decision. So then I'm praying and the Lord starts asking me questions. And there was a couple questions that revealed that this lady wasn't the one. And so I literally called her up and I said, listen, I go, I go, you are incredible. And God has a man for you. He has a husband for you. He has a father for your children. But it's not me. And so I don't want to waste your time. Nothing personal. You're, you're you know... I would, I would do very well to marry someone like you or whatever. But, and, and, and she's like, you know, I really appreciate you, your honesty. And we parted ways. A month later, shows up this girl from Iowa named Jeanette. And I'm sitting here going, man, I could have saved five grand. <laughs> you know? Why? And why am I saying this tonight? Because these wrong or premature decisions will cost you, right? They will. So the enemy's, the enemy's temptations exert pressure, always. He's really, he loves to exert pressure. He wants to put pressure on you. He wants to drive you. He manipulates circumstances. He manipulates people to build pressure. If you feel pressure, that's a flag. Your spirit man's going to go, ah. God, he's always attempting to influence you. How? Through your spirit. Are we getting some clarity with this? That's how he leads you. Not outward. Don't look at outward things. He leads you internally. God doesn't impose his will upon you. 
He tries to influence you by his spirit through his word in your inner man. And, and how the Holy Spirit does it is he opens the word of God up to light your path. And how do you, what does that look like? When you know you're on your path, there's desires that are coming out of your heart. And you know when it's a desire from God, it just gets bigger and bigger. And you know, wow, this is what God has for me. Now, sometimes you might not know that right away. But you're not stressed out because you're not trying to make something happen. See, whenever Satan knows you're kind of hitting on something that's God, then he will go into, let me try to get them to make a premature decision. It's like me, you know, I waited to marry Jeanette. You know, I mean, I waited 12 whole days. <laughs> 12 whole days before I asked her to marry me. I was buying the ring. I didn't know how to do it. So this lady, she was laughing at me. I'm like, so how do you, okay. Can, I, I don't know what kind of ring she'd want, but I want to surprise her. So she's like, oh, just, that's real easy. Just get the diamond and just get a Tiffany solitaire ring. Because then... Once you're engaged, then you can go and she could pick out whatever ring she likes and you could have the diamond transferred, right? So, I mean, I'm, I'm, we're talking, I'm five dates in and I'm looking for rings. I'm buying a, I'm buying a diamond. That, see, I know, that would have, wow. Anyway, God attempts to influence you through your spirit. So, why are we saying all this? And I know I'm going slow, but guys, this is so important. This is how you live. The words war and the words warfare in the word of God literally only occur five times in the New Testament. It's the Greek word stratos. Never once is it used in connection with the devil. Not one time. Interesting. It is always used to describe the flesh's attempt to conquer and subdue the mind. Always. The flesh's attempt to conquer and subdue the mind. The battlefield in your life is in your mind. Right? So let's keep this right. This is, this is huge. Temptations, tests, trials. We actually were talking about this. The Lord was giving me this stuff and I'm like, we just talked about this Sunday. Well, we're going to talk about it again. I have absolutely no problem with that. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse 13 says this, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. We talked about this Sunday. You can go get that, you could go online and listen to that. You're never going to be tempted with something that's brand new and just exclusive to you. But God is faithful, who will not suffer or who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. All the tests, temptations, and trials are trying to entice you to sin. What is sin? It's missing the mark. The Bible says anything that's not of faith 
is sin. See, do you see how God, God wants you, he wants you to live life content, at peace, full of joy as you walk through this chaos we call the valley of the shadow of death. And none of the valley of the shadow of death, none of the death is ever supposed to get off on you. Right? The tempter is always Satan. He's the one. We don't wrestle against people. Right? He is the tempter. He's behind the scenes. That's why James, in James 1.13, it says, listen, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man so in other words god will never tempt you he'll never test you he'll never try you with sickness with a lack of finances any other bad situation no that's never coming from him you must pass these tests to move forward you have to in order to walk out god's plan for your life you're going to have to pass the test. He won't allow you to be, he won't allow Satan to bring stuff. If it's in your life, it's not bigger than you in Christ. God won't allow something that could take you out in your life. He won't let Satan do that. But you're in this world and Satan is going to try to do what? He's going to try to put pressure on you because of an unfulfilled desire to get you to make a wrong decision or a premature decision, which is a wrong decision. This is the way it works. And here's the thing. You don't go from step one to step four. God, God wants you to be able to walk and walk in the freedom. So he doesn't want you to get ahead into a place where you're not ready for yet. So in other words, it's all up to you. How long it takes you to pass that test, it's up to you. Well, I've just been believing God forever. Okay. I, I, would, I would suggest starting to get your mouth right and start speaking what he's telling you to speak. Yeah, but I just, I just can't ever seem to know the voice of God. Okay. Well, the Bible says my sheep know my voice, so why don't you abandon that thought process that's not even biblical, and start walking around going, man, I know his voice. I am sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I always am in the right place at the right time, with the right heart doing the right thing. I wonder what would happen. The Holy Spirit will give you some scriptures. They that are born of God are led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Man, I always know the will of God for my life. Right? That, see, we've got to, we, the word of God, as the Holy Spirit leads you, he guides you into all the truth. For what? So that you can believe it and speak it and start moving into it. To, you must pass these tests to move forward, and how long this takes is up to you and I. See, the frustrating thing is there's Christians that really need their life to change but they're not willing to do what God is, is literally wooing them to do. They want to do it their own way. 
And our own way is full of guilt, shame, condemnation. We're failing, you know, and all this stuff. And then Satan beats you up and we let him beat us up. Listen, I remember when the Lord came to me and said, listen, Tony, when Satan tells you shame on you, you tell him no. My shame was put on Jesus and I was made his righteousness. So excuse me for a minute. I'm going to just thank him for that. That's literally how we have to live. God does not need to test you because he knows where you are. Satan brings tests for the purpose of enticing you to sin. And these temptations, these tests, these trials come in the form of pressure which is the result of an unfulfilled desire, always. Satan is always tempting you to get out of faith if you're in faith, right? Satan corrupts people's theology, bringing pressure. What do you mean by that? Well, the word is very clear. Healing's in the atonement. He sent his word. When when did he provide healing for me? Almost 2,000 years ago. But if it's not working, and I, and I have this unfulfilled desire to be well, but my body's hurting, and it's getting worse, and all of a sudden, I start thinking, well, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe just that healing thing, maybe I'm seeing it wrong. Maybe he does heal some and not others. But you know what? I'm still going to go to heaven, so be careful Because every wrong doctrine will put you in a a passive position against Satan to where you're powerless. You have to know. Faith is knowing. Wait a minute. This is the will of God. It's written here. And if it's written, it's not subject to change. It doesn't matter if, if my body doesn't look like it, the circumstance doesn't look like it. You just hide and watch. I already know the end result. Right? But here's the thing, you, and you got to know this, you can pass the test. Your will has to be in subjection to your spirit. That part of you that says, I want and I want now, it has to be in subjection to your spirit who's in subjection to the Holy Spirit. When that happens, you will make a right choice. Resist the pressure and yield to your spirit. Do you see that? I'm telling you guys, I know this seems like, how many times is he going to say this? I can't say it enough. God wants you to walk in everything that he's given you. Resist the pressure and yield to your spirit. Don't make wrong and premature decisions. Be real careful, because this is what charismatic Christians do when they make a wrong decision. They always say, well, God told me to do this. And now you're really messing with yourself. Because now, see, faith, Whosoever shall say to this mountain, right, Mark eleven twenty three, 23, 
be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe, what? That those things which he saith will come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. You gotta be able to believe your own heart. So don't go walking around just because you're, have, there's some pressure, there's an unfulfilled desire, and you have this insecurity about you where you feel you got to be all spiritual, and you're like, well, you know, the Lord told me. And then you step out. I'm so glad when I did that thing in church. I'm so glad those pastors were nice to me. But be nice or not be nice, I'm not playing games. I played games too long. I had Satan telling me I was worthless, I'd never amount to anything, this and that. Get over all that. No, no, we're walking in the light now. You are a child of God. You've been made in the very righteousness of Almighty God. Jesus paid all of your price so you don't have to, and he came and he gave you his life. And now his spirit is inside of you and will walk you into all of it. This is so important. God won't let Satan turn the pressure up, in other words, beyond what you can bear. This is so important. Wow. I got to go just a little bit longer. Galatians 6, 9 says, Galatians 6, verse 9, and let us not be weary. This word means tired and faint in heart. Really, it's talking about your mind. Don't be tired and faint in your mind. We know from Hebrews 12 how we get tired and faint in our minds is by taking our eyes off Jesus. Don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. That word faint not means if we relax, if we don't relax and let go of it, we'll reap. Satan wants you to let go of stuff, don't let go. If you've let go, here's the good news, just just bend over and pick it up. This isn't, this isn't a board game where you've got to go back to step one. No, it's already yours. Right? And when you're, when you're bending over to pick it up, laugh at him. Ha, bet you didn't know I knew that, loser. And then keep going. Right? Because Jesus paid. James 1, 2. I love this. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, this word fall means you're falling into something because it's all around you. Guys, Satan is trying to literally, any unfulfilled desire in your heart, what do you believe in God for? He will try to put pressure on you to get you to make a wrong decision, to do it your way and not God's way. Right? But count it all joy. You have to count it because, man, it doesn't feel like joy. You've got to count it joy. you got this pressure, and you're like, okay, I'm counting this joy. You have joy by the answer of your mouth, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. So what does that look like? Count it all joy, a joy when you fall into different temptations. This is what it looks like. This thing that's all around me, all of a sudden an unfulfilled desire, there's pressure on me to get to do something quick or do something in my own strength. And that's where I count it all joy. Father, I know I have joy by the answer of my mouth and I need strength right now. Father, I thank you that you always cause me to triumph. I thank you that it is written. My steps are ordered. 
you always give me the victory. Father, I thank you that the joy, of your joy that's on the inside of me right now is strengthening every fiber of my being. And I count this all joy because I know when pressure is put on me, man, your patience comes out. That spiritual force of patience comes out of my life to raise up a standard against the pressure until it crushes it. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying, the proving of your faith works or brings about patience, endurance, steadfastness. But let patience have her perfect work, her finished work, that you may be perfect. That means complete and entire. That means whole, wanting nothing. What does it mean when you want nothing? That means you have it. Believe you receive it and you'll have it. So all of a sudden the sick is going, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm healed. Symptoms, you got to leave my body. I've been redeemed. See, how does that happen? When you count it all joy. This is huge. Satan's testing is designed to entice you to sin. Satan's testing is designed to entice you from what you've already decided to believe. If you will make it, or I should say it this way, you will make it if you maintain consistency through the test. Keep the word in my heart and keep it coming out of my mouth. And, and see, you're going to have to deal with this now. Because we're, we're about to see the greatest level of faith in the church that we've ever seen. But right now, your Christian faith buddies might think you're a little crazy. But let every man be a liar, but let God be true. If his word says this, this is where I'm at. I don't, if you think I'm crazy, whatever. I'm standing on the word of God. And I'll forgive you after you see this thing work out. Right? But man... I'm going to stand. Consistency means this, not changing in the face of pressure. And this is when it comes. Satan will tell you, you don't deserve it. Look at what you've done. And that, that starts to be pressure because it makes total sense. Yeah, you know, I was not nice. I was walking in unforgiveness. I was, listen, in the face of pressure, you stay consistent. That's where you say, Satan, it is written. He, Romans chapter 8, all of my sin was condemned once and for all in the body of my Lord. The power of sin's been broken off my life. There is forgiveness and cleansing for me. I will not be ashamed. Right? Not because of me, but because of Jesus. Look at, and I'm going to finish with this, Jude, verse 24. I love this. In the Old Testament, man, if you fall, he's, lift, he's going to lift up your head. But we're New Testament believers. This is the bar for you. Jude, verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and he's able to present you faultless, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Notice who keeps me from falling. 
He does. Who presents me faultless? Who does that in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy? See, when I stand before Jesus, I'm not going to shrink back because, man, I've just lived my life for myself. No, I want to I be in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Guess what? Someday you're going to be face to face with the master. But guess what? Tonight, although it's by faith, you're still face to face. You can't leave his presence. And he wants to present you faultless in his presence full of joy. So I'm going to talk about relieving the pressure when we come. You know what? If you want to take these now, I can't go there. We'll have to do this next time. <laughs> relieving the pressure, though, I'll tell you, I'll give you a little sneak preview because I've all explode if I don't. So uh, <laughs> relieving the pressures, you got to talk right. But in order to talk right, you're going to have to believe right. But in order to believe right, you're going to have to hear right. Right? And in order to hear right, you're going to have to think right. So there's some things you got to do. You're going to have to get rid of all unforgiveness because unforgiveness puts pressure on you. It hurts you. It doesn't hurt the other person, right? I think Joyce Meyer said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting your enemy to die. I thought, that, that, that sounds good, right? Anyway, I hope you've got something out of this. This will help you. We're going to be a church that renovates our thinking so that we can all walk out God's plan for our life. The world needs to see it, right? The world needs to see it. Don't you want to be a part seeing revival in America that spreads all over the world, right? Just seeing Satan just be put down everywhere and lives being changed and transformed. Don't you want to wake up in the morning with this insatiable hunger to love him and walk with him and serve him to the point to where you're free? That's what he wants for you. And that's what he's paid for for you. Amen?